messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages. This is the podcast where we talk about TV commercials. We talk about the smart ones, the silly ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. Ah, the French champagne has always been celebrated for its excellence. Uh, my name's Andrew Walsh, and I am here with my co-host Genevieve Has, as always. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. And uh, I played that clip of tape, uh, I think advisedly. That If you don't know it, that is a drunk Orson Welles. Uh, he was trying to sell booze back in the late 70s and, and enjoyed the product a little bit too much himself. And we're playing that today because today is all about booze. We have tons of booze commercials lined up, Veeves. And we have the perfect person to join us to talk about booze, a man who's dedicated a large part of his life to alcohol. You yeah. already said that you were here, Andrew. <sighs> the difference is this guy is not a functioning alcoholic, and he's not a non-functioning alcoholic either, so far as I can tell. Uh, his name is Ben Harrison. He's the host of the podcast, Let's Drink About It. Hey, Ben. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'd like to start with this question, actually, now that I think of it. Are you an alcoholic? <laughs> How are you doing these days? Uh, you know, I, I hope not. I mean, since the holidays, I've not really been uh, indulging because of how much indulging I did over the holidays. And I think that if you actively find the idea of drinking distasteful for extended periods of time, that's probably a good sign. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, it does sort of sound like you're in a, you know, <laughs> shit, I ruined the joke. What is it? Denial isn't just a river in Egypt. I know I'm messing up Oh, yeah, up it's that also joke. in the Sudan. Yeah. <laughs> so for the two or three people out there who don't know what Let's Drink About It is about, uh, tell us about your podcast. The very uh, ridiculous high concept of our podcast is that uh, every life event has a perfect cocktail pairing. And so we're kind of uh, show by show going through all of the possible life events and pairing them up with cocktails. So my co-host Chris Bowman and I, and uh, typically a guest, uh, Andrew, you have been a guest on, on the show, Genevieve. I hope you will be someday. I would love to be. Uh, I mean, that's the only reason uh, we're having you on now is because you had us on. <laughs> and like, I w we talked to our lawyers, and apparently the law of podcasting is if one person yeah. is on their podcast, then you have to reciprocate. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that is settled law. Um, <laughs> you know, mostly it's, it's kind of a dumb excuse to just kind of tell anecdotes about what's going on and then try out lots of different cocktail recipes which is uh, a whole lot of fun for me because i i think cocktails are very interesting in addition to being tasty <laughs> you're gonna hate this this is like asking a doctor you meet at a party to check out a rash but what would uh what would be a good cocktail for this situation right here what's a good cocktail for recording a podcast where you talk about commercials mm, man uh I, you know, you're putting me on the spot. I know, but, um, I know. I'm sorry. I think that we did we did a martini that was a recipe from Luis Buñuel, the the French director. Mm -hmm. um, he did like the discreet charm or the bourgeoisie, and there's a martini recipe that he discusses in his memoirs and also in some of his films. So that kind of that feels about right since it's like f from the world of visual media. 
to to our podcast. I love a good dose of surreality. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in favor. One one of our favorite garnishes for a cocktail is surreality. <laughs> <laughs> just but just a twist. Um, yeah. We often, well, not often. Sometimes, if I'm not running totally behind schedule, which unfortunately is too often, I like to make Genevieve and I a couple of Bloody Marys while we do this. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't Beautiful. know why. Maybe it's because it's one of the only drinks that I know how to make, and also it doesn't have to be too <laughs> boozy, right? Just like it's right. really more yeah. about the, the the richness of it. Unfortunately, like neither one of us have an alcoholic beverage in our hand right now. Do you, are you drinking over there? Problem alcoholic. I'm- Ben, <laughs> you know I'm not. I uh, I feel like I'm almost like an imposter here. Yeah, I know. I, I really I, and, I, and like for that I apologize. You're in such deep denial that you haven't had a drink in weeks, and it is yeah. worrying me, my friend. You really, yeah. really have to get some help. Um, first, first step is admitting to myself that I have a problem not drinking <laughs> right, enough. Exactly. Um, so, as I said today, we're talking all. We have a whole stack of um, of alcohol ads to talk about we're not talking about beer today or really even wine we're mostly yeah. talking about hard alcohol ads and, and there are distilled a spirits distilled spirits yeah. is that what you people in the business call it well yeah i think that fermentation is the process for beer and wine and uh distillation is like a secondary step on top of that if i i don't know a ton about it to be honest i'm I'm a, I'm a, I call myself a noted enthusiast, not okay. an expert. <laughs> but you were, you were an expert enough to be asked to take part in some kind of a, and I, I honestly don't know this story. I'm hoping you'll tell it, and I, I'm hoping you'll tell it in an interesting way, not to put the <laughs> pressure on. But you'd mentioned, because you're also a filmmaker and a video editor, and you had mentioned that you played some role in, in the process of creating, I think, a, a gin ad? Yeah, well, <laughs> I almost, I came close to, playing a role in, a process, okay. in the process of creating a Tanqueray ad. Uh, I was working as an editor years ago, and I was called into a production company that I did work for from time to time, and they were working with an ad agency on a pitch that they were de- taking to the Tanqueray people, and they had an idea for a video, and I was like in the room when they were talking about it, and I was like, I know how to make that. And it was like kind of a motion graphics treatment, um, you know, text on screen, sort of animated rhythmically to music. And I worked for like 36 hours straight. Like they were like, okay, we'll hire you, but we need this like by midnight tomorrow. Oh my God. Go. (laughs) And so I just, I sat there and just gruelingly worked out this pitch video and I was pretty proud of how it came together. Can you explain how that is? What do you mean? You worked on storyboards, or what? What did you? What do you mean? Like I animated it in After Effects, and yeah, like it's the way ad agencies work is very mysterious, even to people that work in them, uh, from what I can tell. But a lot of the time, they'll make something that is, you know, fifty percent of the way toward being a ready-to-be-on-TV ad to show the client like you know that those scenes with don draper showing what the magazine print ad is going to look like it's Mm -hmm. like they've almost done all of the work and now they're asking the client to pay them for these print ads that they invented yeah uh so so this was a video pitch and they were working on a television campaign and i busted my ass and and made this thing and they went off and pitched the client and got the account and then like you know, months and maybe or maybe a year later, I saw all of these ads come out that like had a lot of a lot of ideas that I felt like I had kind of helped create in the 
pitch process that appeared ultimately in the television commercial, and I felt like it uh, would have been nice to get a call <laughs> to work on the real part. Did you ever have a day of reckoning with anyone who worked on that from that agency who worked on that campaign? No, because you know, as a as a freelancer, like a, it kind of doesn't doesn't help to make enemies <laughs> at ad agencies, and no matter how and, satisfying it might feel, yeah. And B, it was like you could see the argument that it could have been anyone there, not just me. So, and I didn't feel like propriety over these ideas or anything. But it, it you know, I was like, I don't know how. Like, if I was running the team that was making this ad, wouldn't I? get one of the people who contributed good ideas that got us the account in the first place. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just a uh, an instructive moment in my earlier career. Well, you sent us a link to a commercial that you think this might have been one that kind of borrowed yeah. some of your ideas a little bit. What I'd like to do is hit play on it. Maybe we'll yeah, describe I, so, it a little bit along the way. Yeah. I, in In retrospect, I'm thinking that this is like a further ad in the campaign. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same agency. So if it isn't the same agency, they've they've definitely kept most of the creative. So this is uh, definitely got some of the DNA of what I worked on. Okay, so let's take a listen to this. Somebody's walking into a bar. It's all black and white. Tonight we go all in. A lot of really cool young hip people drinking. We spritz, we shine, we laugh. And make it rain. That's uh, Idris Elba. Oh, it is. Yeah, I was. I, yeah. I was gonna see if Andrew could guess because sometimes we play oh. guess the spokesperson on this show. <laughs> I did not. Does he talk Tonight, again? We tank array. Oh yes, and of course I'm not used to him with the um, British accent. That would have been a really tough one for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's usually got a weird Baltimore accent. Hey, I have to admit something. I don't have to, but I will admit something here. If I'm at a bar, a, a drink that I've been ordering for years and years, it's just kind of an easy go-to if I don't want to think about it. Especially here in Southern California, where it's usually hot, is I'll get a. Well, what I was getting was Tangeray and tonic. I was always saying it with a G, uh. and it wasn't until I saw it, like really noticed it spelled out today, and then listening to how you just said it, Ben, <laughs> that it's. It's, you would say Tanqueray, huh? Yeah. That's yeah, not as I, embarrassing. I'm going to tell this story about a, a dear friend of ours who I won't name because it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, this is a, it's a really good friend of ours uh, who asked you, Andrew, you were going to the bar and you said, can I get you anything? And he said, um, yeah, get me a Tanqueray and tonic. You come back, you give it to him and he drinks it. And he's, he's We were drinking of, them all night, too. This yeah. is like the fourth one <laughs> he right. was on. It's like yeah. the fourth one. And he says... He kind of makes a face. He goes, they keep putting gin in my tanqueray tonic. And Andrew goes, well, what do you think tanqueray is? And he thought it was vodka. Right, right. Unfortunately, what I said was, what do you think tanqueray is? <laughs> so I guess there's uh, there's egg or tang on all of our faces. Oh, yeah. You may well, want to edit that I will make it one step more confusing. Uh, okay. Tanqueray now markets a vodka that is just called tanqueray. What? So, really? Yeah. I've never seen that on the shelf. That's me so neither. interesting. Yeah, it's, uh... Let me come back to this commercial, though, for a second. So was the original idea for the ad that you were working on to for it literally to be an animated ad, or were you just kind of making an animation to show what the live-action ad would look like? Because I should mention this was a live-action video we just yeah, watched. Yeah, and, and this is sort of where my memory falls apart, but... I think that there was like an earlier version of the ad that had a lot more on-screen text that like looked a lot like the stuff that I came up with for the pitch, but it was also about the kind of the type of music 
that mm. uh, and I think that's original music that they like commissioned some some musician to make for that ad but you know we were like we need to find music that's jazzy but very contemporary at the same time kind of taps into like the heritage of the speakeasy kind of era but doesn't feel all crusty and Mm -hmm. and, you know even though there's not a lot of uh kinetic typography in that ad that we looked at ben there is a quality to the the speed of the the way that things move in the ad yeah. like like the bottle will be tossed up in real time and then it will sort of slow down yeah it goes into slow motion and totally. that, I, does that is that sort of like an echo of what you were working on in terms of like the look and feel yeah and i think that like i can't really claim that i mean you know i'm not trying to say that <laughs> it was my, it was to... all all my idea or anything <laughs> like they were like looking for a kinetic typography pitch video and were asking the people at the production company that i was uh working at if they knew anybody that could do that and i just like raised my hand (laughs) but you know all i'm saying is that i saw this when it was just a seed of an idea and so i mean what does your lawyer say as far as the lawsuit is concerned do you think that you will win in the end or how how far are you taking this um you know i'm thinking that we could have like some supreme court precedent setting type of casework on our hands here yeah but i do drink a lot of cocktails (laughs) (laughs) well as that as that uh, settles itself out either way i would love to have you back on the show maybe you can give us an update on your lawsuit against tanqueray um unfortunately i think your lawyer actually wrote it it was actually harrison versus tanqueray and so i think you're gonna be in a lot of trouble right there yeah. yeah um one of the um booze ads that caught our eye recently that I really love. This is probably my favorite ad that we'll be talking about today is this Jose Cuervo ad. Now I'm worried I'm mispronouncing everything. <laughs> no, it's you got Cuervo, it. right? <laughs> yeah. like, and I'm pretty sure I got Jose down. It's Cuervo. The name of the ad is Flight 72. And Genevieve, you actually did a lot of reading on this. So why don't you kind of explain what this ad is? I did. I actually, I think you mentioned to me that this was, that's what this was because I had been seeing this ad and it's been in heavy rotation. So you may have seen it. Um, it's set on a, on a, looks like a private jet. It's filled with interesting looking people set kind of in the seventies. And we, the camera follows, a, a pretty hot cocktail waitress as she makes her way through the plane, uh, handing out drinks and kind of interacting with the passengers. It turns out that this is a riff on or a, a callback to this 1972 Rolling Stones tour. It was the first time that they had really hit it big, and they had their own private jet. It had the tongue logo on the outside, and it was unofficial. Oh, so well, classy. I mean, when you think the Rolling Stones, you think classy. Um, it was unofficially <laughs> known as the Cocaine and Tequila Sunrise Tour, uh, because apparently that was the t- around the time that co- uh, that the Stones had been introduced to that cocktail, the te- Tequila Sunrise. Seventy two, you yeah. said, right? Nineteen seventy two. Yeah. This so is a called... famous tour. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and so basically, this ad feels like it's a Martin Scorsese. It's not, but it feels like a Martin Scorsese directed ad. It's kind. I don't know if it's one singular shot, but it gives you that that camera motion that mm-hmm. Scorsese is famous for, as it kind of follows yeah, this woman around. And of course, Scorsese in our heads, there. I think in a 
lot of our heads is linked to the Rolling Stones, the way he always uses their music. And I think he's got a new uh, TV show or documentary. No, not a documentary. A new TV show or series or movie or something coming out that kind of looks at this era of music. Yeah, it's called Vinyl. It stars uh, Bobby Cannavale, I think. Looks awful. Well, it looks like... Looks like this ad. It looks like um, if you took a bunch of Scorsese movies and put them in a blender. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. With some cocaine and a sunrise. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, Andrew and I were talking about this ad this morning uh, at breakfast, and he was asking me what goes into a tequila sunrise, and I, I think I know... But I was wondering if you know off, off the top, top of your head. Off the top of my head, it's uh, tequila, orange juice, and grenadine. That's what I thought, too, because it creates yeah. that layered sunshine, sunrise look. Yeah. The one thing I remember, I always remember when I think of tequila sunrises is I one time looked up the recipe in a uh, reputable recipe book, and it said that the tequila sunrise is a cocktail that has fallen out of favor, which is something you'll immediately understand if you ever taste one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grenadine and orange juice doesn't immediately sound like a taste combination that I, I would no. relish. Yeah. It's pretty, though. Yeah. I've never had one. Have you guys both tried them before? Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, orange juice is not a great cocktail ingredient uh, in a lot of contexts because it is... Not as sour as it would need to be to be used as a sour ingredient, but it's not quite as sweet as it would need to be to be used as a sweet ingredient. And it's also very like inconsistent. Like one orange will taste very different from another. So oh. it's like the deeper I dive into the cocktail world, the less I see orange juice popping up. You know, you see a lot of grapefruit juice and lime juice and lemon juice, but not so much orange. This so sub- it was probably really more like the cocaine and cocaine tour. <laughs> well, I mean, you do enough cocaine, you're like not really being super picky about your, your cocktail, I imagine. Well, here, I'll just play this for a second. I don't know if it's all just music or if there's any um, words in it, but it does begin with a like, kind of text at the beginning that says, in 1972, the Rolling Stones brought Jose Cuervo on tour. Rock and roll would never be the same. <laughs> I assume that that's how you're supposed to say that. And then, uh, like, you mentioned Genevieve there's this very attractive cocktail waitress you know it's the 70s walking around this airplane uh, handing out drinks I remember the first time we saw this ad or maybe one of the first times we saw this ad you said to me Man, I'm worried about that cocktail. I know. Waitress. I sort of have a feeling she's going to get assaulted. She's wearing a very revealing. Yeah, she's outfit wearing like a well. hot pants onesie, basically. And the um, camera really does find a way of lingering on her butt several yeah, times. Yeah. Yes, it does. It's funny how cameras have a way of doing that, especially yeah, the cameras that stuck. are. Yeah, the cameras that are run by uh, male directors. Oh, especially. We, need, we must need different cameras. <laughs> yeah, yeah, these cameras. These cameras are broken. <laughs> They're all looking <laughs> at her sexy parts. Speaking of sexy, let's talk about um Kiefer Sutherland uh he's got these Cuervo commercials these are also oh yeah these are also Cuervo so I think these must yeah. these must be out Does of camera rotation on his butt? <laughs> we will see stick around um, quite unfairly it does not <laughs> what <laughs> now Veeves these have always been of interest to you because <laughs> well you you I, explain why I, so there was this there there has been a series and I think for several years Kiefer Sutherland was the main pitch man for Cuervo um they maybe have been uh, supplanted by this Rolling Stones tour uh, spot that they're doing. But for several years, uh, he was the pitch man for a No Regrets campaign where he's basically, it's a style of, of booze ad that you see a lot. Like there's a well-known spokesperson, a well-known usually male actor sitting in a dark bar looking kind of classy, uh, having a drink on the rocks or some having some interaction with the drink and kind of like just extolling its virtues. And so in these ads, he's saying... 
drink uh, Cuervo and have an adv- have a story to tell, just don't have any regrets. That's a fine pitch or narrative or whatever, but can you think of a, a, an actor who more famously has <laughs> right. regrets from his alcohol intake? I mean, this is, we have the tape uh, that we'll play a little bit later, but this is a guy who drunkenly attacked a Christmas tree yeah, on camera. It's only 10 seconds and it's <laughs> what, pretty visual. Play, but play, how play can you, no regrets how can you that, not Chris, that Christmas tree was looking at him. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you a pirate, man. That would explain everything. And tree goes down. <laughs> that, that audio only works for everybody who's seen that. But God love you. I hope you've seen that. We'll post it to our Facebook page yeah. as well. Yeah, he really takes like a flying leap. <laughs> he really does. He's just drunk and decides he's going to take a and flying that's, leap. For, at the by Christmas the way, tree. there are montages that you can find of lots of Kiefer having problems with alcohol. So I do think it's kind of strange that they yeah. would select this guy who who has such a famous issue with alcohol to be their pitch man. It'd be like if David Hasselhoff was hired to sell booze and hamburgers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but you're right, Genevieve, that is kind of very much a specific type of ad. It's like the the chiseled, usually, I don't want to say has-been actor, but definitely well-established actor near the end of his career, yeah. sitting on, at a bar the, by himself. On the downswing. On the downswing. Right. Always white, always very masculine. As a matter of fact, the next one we have, you wanted to talk about this, Ben. Oh, this commercial makes me so mad, and I don't, I mean, I know why a little bit, but it makes me disproportionately angry. This is the Ray Liotta ad. Ben, will you set it yeah. up for us? So this is uh, very prototypical of that genre, the the spirit commercial with a semi-washed up, super masculine white actor. Right. And, uh, this ad has uh, some very problematic messaging, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the ad. So you just see him getting off of a train, and then he just slowly walks through the train station. He makes his way to a bar, right? Yeah, it's like, all, you're like, am I in Europe? Like, what is this cool milieu that we're in? And he, yeah, it's like the darkest bar you've ever seen. Right, of course. And he's wearing a suit, no tie, open collar. I mean, he's just the yeah. coolest guy. Someday we will get to a point where Matthew McConaughey plays this role in every ad oh, yeah. that we see. But yeah. for right now, uh, we still have Ray Liotta so to deal he with. He orders a single 1800 tequila on the rocks. And then he, then he starts eyeing these... Two guys who are drinking what look like Cosmos. Yeah, yeah. They're drinking some sort of cocktails in an up glass. I mean, they could be Manhattans even, though. Yeah, like, yeah. actually, they could. With like, I think they could easily actually, be Actually, they probably are Manhattans. But Ray Liotta raises his, you know, just yeah. uh, tequila on the rocks to them and gives them kind of this just stern, like, disapproving dad look. And then they look yeah. down at their drinks, and they just feel so bad about their manliness. To the point that they have the waitress come and remove their drinks that they ordered. It's like they've been non-verbally accused of being gay or something. Yes. <laughs> right, and, and they, exactly. And they cannot live with that. <laughs> no. It, like, the, the message is that, like, if you do not perform your masculinity 100% at all times... Uh, in all places, strange Rayliotas will come out of the woodwork and shame you for it. <laughs> There's just tons. It's like multiplicity. There are just like Rayliotas yeah. just multiplying all over so they can go to cocktail bars and shame a feet hipsters. Now, as yeah. somebody who is, like I mentioned before, kind of hung his hat on mixology, <laughs> this must really just like, I mean, this makes me oh, super yeah. angry because I mean, I just look at this, I'm just like, 
fuck you, Henry Hill. You're a snitch anyway. Like I just like, honestly, like I, I can't, I can't really kind of separate that whole situation from it. And he's well, just he's like, really embracing like this his image as a, like a cold eyed psycho. Basically, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And he's got you in the crosshairs. I think Ben. He does. Yeah. I mean, he has a powerful crosshair. I have yeah. been forced to kind of reevaluate a lot of the decisions I've made in my life. Pretty soon, let's drink about it. It's just going to be a podcast about what types of booze to put over an ice cube. <laughs> we just, we just take slugs of scotch, period. <laughs> Actually, that, uh, you know what, though? That'd be a good show, yeah, too. Could, could be, could be <laughs> yeah, fun. Uh, I, would, I would definitely tune in for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, there's a lot that's surprising about this commercial. Like, I'm, I'm always surprised by things like this, especially when it, like, that. I think that came out in 2015. And it's like, did, did nobody raise their hand and say, like, this is the truck nuts of commercials? <laughs> Why are we making this? Like, you know, like, it's, it's No, I so... think somebody raised their hand and said, this is the truck nuts of commercials. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make a mint. <laughs> Well, every now and then you do have a woman who is trying to convince us to drink booze. In this case, I am talking specifically... She's performing masculinity uh, as well, I would argue. That that is true. We're talking about Mila Kunis here. This is a Jim Beam ad, which I have found kind of befuddling. I've seen it quite a bit. It's Mila Kunis, but it looks like she's working for Jim Beam. I mean, clearly she is working for Jim Beam as a (laughs) spokesperson. But in this case, she's in like a Jim Beam... But her contract also required some manual labor. (laughs) Right. She's like in the factory, blue collar type work. Yeah, Yeah. she's in like the factory or the distillery and she's rolling big um, barrels of Jim Beam around and she's wearing work gloves, I believe, and is dressed up as as a worker. And then she has this to say. The Beam family has a long history of doing things their own way. In fact, age every drop of Jim Beam twice as long as the law requires. Let me just um, interject here and also mention at one point she has a hammer and she hits something with it. It's more of a mallet. Uh, and now <laughs> she's got a um, it looks like some sort of a, a metal brand in a fire. So she's she's really doing I'm not sure what she's doing, but she's doing stuff. She's going somewhere with it. Kentucky straight bourbon. She's branded a barrel. So, four long years With her now, name. I'll be back for this one. Got her I really hope they make a commercial in four years yeah. following up on that. <laughs> Where she you know? comes back and she's like, I don't think I made it right. Turns out I'm an actress, not a <laughs> <laughs> distiller. I really should have left this to you guys. Yeah. It's also like the weird, like she's talking about the Beam family. It's like, yeah. but you're not in the Beam family. <laughs> yes. It's, don't you find it a little confusing too? Because she's... Yeah. she's uh, I was telling Veeves before that it seems like before you get to the part where she actually brands her name, Mila, on the barrel, I'm not even sure if we're supposed to... Uh, maybe she married her. into it or something. Yeah. Me, me, or maybe she married out of it. The Kunis she, family. She was born Mila Beam and now she's Mila Kunis. Well, now she's Mila Kutcher, right? She's oh, are married, they, are she's they married, married to Ashton Kutcher. Have been oh, great. is she really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Wow. that's she's She's the one, yeah. I get her mixed up with Rachel Bilson, but I'm pretty sure she's the one who's married to Ashton Kutcher. Sounds right, because they're both on that 70s yes. show. This 70s. That this 70s show. This, this that 70s show. <laughs> this, that 70s this and show. that 70s show. <laughs> but I do... Okay, just to finish one my... One of those 70s shows, anyway. <laughs> <boring laughs> thought. 
I feel like we don't know until the end that she actually is supposed to be Mila Kunis. You know what uh, I mean? I, well, I wasn't sure. I'm a dummy, and I'm kind of like, wait, are you just straight up being an actress, only you're a famous actress, and you're playing somebody who works in this distillery? But no, I guess it's like she's just going to work in the distillery for a day, but she's still This, to Mila me, Kunis. feels like a variation on the kind of ads, we were, the genre of ads we were talking about before, where it's a famous actor in an environment where he can kind of extol the virtues of this particular brand of liquor. Clearly the message here is like it's quality, mm-hmm. it's time it's like time to age, twice the amount of time the law requires, which it's kind of a weird line, but right. you know, I think she to most people or to me anyway, she was instantly <laughs> recognizable as a celebrity. Um and I to me although I get why you might sort of watch this ad to find out where she's going with the branding. It's an effective and compelling ad. Like, I think the atmospherics are good. I think she it delivers the right mix of kind of like no nonsense appeal, but sexiness. And it, it, it does, to me, create a good brand identity for, uh, you know, there it's a bourbon, right? Yeah, yeah. Mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I go to buy bourbon, I don't have a particular brand that I personally prefer. So I am just sort of going on brand identity. I actually do. Yeah. I, I drink a, a lot of Jim Beam, actually. That's what we've been buying. Yeah. I used to drink more scotch. And then we've been, dr- uh, you know, what happened was somebody brought over some Jim Beam and we put it in our eggnog and it was really oh, good. Yeah, and so then I started nice drinking that. But I'd like your opinion on that because I have a feel like I don't have a very refined taste at all. Um, ben, do you look at Jim Beam? Uh, do you look down your nose at Jim Beam a little bit? You know, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask about whiskey. It's my one of my main blind spots like i i have begun to consume it from time to time for my podcast but it's like if i'm making myself a drink at home i'm not typically heading into the whiskey direction but you know just like more generally i feel like the the thing that's sort of interesting about liquor commercials is that most of the kinds of liquor that you see ads for are almost commodities you know like they really have to establish a narrative about it for people to pick one over another, you know? Right. I mean, like, if you look at, like, the vodka section in a in a liquor store, there are trillions of options, and the whole point of vodka is to, like, be relatively flavor neutral. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously a few vodkas that, you know, are more botanical or whatever, and then there's the entire universe of flavored vodkas that taste like birthday cake and... <laughs> You know, right. burnt marshmallows and whatnot, and warmed over but, uh, ass. We live in a, fla- yeah. a flavor blasting culture. Everything is flavor blasted Ugh. these days. Yeah, but you know, like one vodka is not substantially different from another. You know, the more premium ones, I guess, are like potentially filtered more. But it's all it's all in your head. It's all yeah. Your, the difference your kind can, of association. Can, anyone, can any could any regular person? List, like drink a shot of Smirnoff and drink a shot of Absolute, which are sort of probably roughly on the same same price point and really tell the difference so it's all about creating a brand identity and some sort of affinity with the product yeah which is why you know so many criminal bar owners will top up expensive vodka bottles with cheaper stuff because Mm -hmm. they can sell it at a premium and nobody can actually tell the difference yeah no i always order nobody has ever sent back a thing that (laughs) you know they bought as gray goose and tastes like smirnoff it just doesn't exist you know no buy well vodka that's the that's the lesson here especially if you're getting by the way a bloody mary i was at a (laughs) i was watching a football game the other morning and some you know i was at a bar and i ordered a bloody mary and they're like okay well what kind of vodka and i was just like i guess whatever is cheapest like you're just pouring tons of tabasco and worcestershire and tomato juice i'm not 
I won't be able to tell that. if you put any vodka. Yeah, in there. exactly. <laughs> One time, see, I'm actually the the only drink that I'm actually proud of is my Bloody Mary. I've been making it for years, and I'm very very proud of it. It's a very simple thing oh, to man. make, but I'm I'll I have to have one next time. It's yeah, really a Bloody right. Caesar. Oh yeah, it is a Bloody Caesar. To me, oh, that's, you that's use the, the clamato. Clamato. Huh? That's the that's the key thing. Um, and one time we had it was just I'm just going to out him. I don't think it's a problem. Uh, Genevieve's brother was over, <laughs> and I was making. Um, I was. I making, think he actually listens. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey Zachary. Um, uh, Genevieve's brother was over, and I was making um, Bloody Marys for all of us. And and I remember Zachary specifically being like, "Oh man, I really need this. This feels so good. I was so hungover, and just having a little bit of hair of the dog really, really helps." And then about a half hour later, as so I was kind of cleaning up the dishes, I realized. Oh, I didn't put any vodka in <laughs> at all. There's no shot glass out. I just I got so into all of the other things that go into a Bloody Mary <laughs> that uh, that I didn't need the vodka. And actually, that is kind of true. Like I don't know. I love Bloody Marys. I don't really need them for the booze at all. I'm actually fine with a Virgin Mary if it's made well. Sure. Yeah. 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 You were speaking of vodka ads. Yeah. Speaking of vodka ads, I want to talk about a couple of these Smirnoff ads that seem to follow a theme. There's two different ones. There's one one with Allison Brie and Adam Scott, and they're walking through a liquor store choosing booze for a party they're about to have. And I saw that one first, and it turns out that's part of a whole like kind of campaign. It's actually a bunch of 30-second spots that if you watch them in order, it um, tells a whole story about this, I guess, couple or a couple of friends planning a, a party and choosing their vodka for it. And then there's a newer one with um, T.J. Miller, and who's the other fellow's name from Silicon Valley, Thomas Middleditch. Uh, Thomas the Middleditch. The two main stars are sort of the two. I think I guess they're the two main actors from uh, Silicon Valley. And it's nice to get into some comedy here. You know, one thing yeah. that we've been talking yeah. about is everybody just being like, and even the Mila Kunis. I think, by the way, it's smart of them to have a woman in that ad, a woman who's kind of relatable, but also incredibly beautiful, but also, as you mentioned, Ben, kind of very manly or underlining the the manliness of that. Yeah, kind she's of scene doing these very in. manly tasks. She's like, yeah. she's right. she's all gear kitted up for this like pretty sort of masculine activity and then she's branding a, a wooden barrel i mean right the ma- like yeah. like you were saying like there is an element of performing masculinity with so many of these ads right so it's nice to be able to just kind of uh it's like a it's like a nice sip of uh, refreshing vodka to just let some humor <laughs> into these ads a little bit so let's take a listen to this one with uh tj miller and Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Thomas Middleditch, <laughs> as they're walking uh, through a liquor store choosing their booze for their evening, and then they run into a couple of other dudes. Yeah, I think it looks really good. I love That's it. Right. Oh, what's up, partiers? What kind of night is it? <laughs> uh, vodka crayons for the girls. Well, we got the first part right but, here. Bros, what about Cosmos for people with secrets? Right here in the high-class crowd that wants to drive martinis. Where are you going for that? And I got that. Always going to be that. Yeah. Two of them. Good night, you guys. Hey, yeah, um, hey, yo, y'all know how to make those? No. Yes. No. Yes, we do. <sighs> Cut to them at the party of these two bros, and they're um, they're mixing all the cocktails for no everybody and having whole... a really great time. Sorry, no one in that whole ad says the word Smirnoff. Yeah, you're right. It's it's kind of amazing. I like I re- I remembered what the ad was for even before we um, were yeah. starting this the prep for this show. That's an effective ad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it also it definitely feels a lot like the ones with Allison Brie and uh, and uh, what's his face Middle Ditch. Um, 
No, just kidding. <laughs> it's Adam Scott. Do you want to play one oh, of those? Oh yeah, what's Andrew? his face? Middle ditch. <laughs> what's um, his face? Middle ditch. Yeah, can we take a listen? Yeah. This is the first one. This is the only one that I've seen in the wild on TV, and this is them uh, strolling through a very similar liquor store, choosing their vodka for the night. Having fun. Oh my gosh. Okay, we have to get this one. It's made only from potatoes that look like famous people's faces. Maybe there's one of you. Our friendship is over. <laughs> What's this one's claim to fame? It's just really good vodka. Well, done and done. We're done getting our vodka. Okay. One thing I think is interesting about both of those spots is that it's like very much admitting that vodka is not about, you know, like spending the most money. It's mm-hmm. like it is presented as being in the middle of the shelf uh, and is not, you know, like it's in the context of lots of other vodkas. And yes. Lo- and it- they're just saying like the story is is frivolous by this because it's just solid and it's not going to break the bank. Basically. No, I think that makes exactly the point you were making earlier that there are there are a trillion vodkas out there. Just get something that's uh, not bottom of the barrel. Yeah. That's not going to make you go blind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ad campaign. Yes, yeah. near enough. It won't make you go blind unless you drink a lot <laughs> of it. Uh, ben, actually, can you give me a little bit more detail about kind of no joke your drinking lifestyle because you are like yeah. i said you're very much into mixology you have a podcast dedicated to it i know that you used to run a, i think you and your buddies started your own bitters company way back in the yes. day so you're you are very um well steeped in this world but then when we mention bourbon you're like i don't really know much about bourbon but then when we talk about vodka you say well really you don't want to spend a lot on vodka because it's not yeah. really supposed to t-. so what is like what is what is your liquor cabinet look like um i uh so i you know like each category is really like its own crazy rabbit hole like you know i mean i think that people get into wine and it's sort of the same thing like oh i'm really into this one region in france right now or whatever um but i'm i i really like rum and i love tiki cocktails Mm. so i always have three or four different kinds of rum and like lately just lately started to kind of learn the differences between the different parts of the caribbean and the different places on oh. earth where it's produced like the the french colonies produce it in a very different process from the former english or dutch colonies and like that translates into the flavor and uh so i love i love just like a daiquiri which is just uh three parts rum two parts lime juice one part sugar and uh, making that with all different types of rum, you know, like I'll have one daiquiri from a Martinique rum and then a, a second one from a Guyana rum and then a third one from a Puerto Rican rum. And it, they're very different drinks with just one variable change. And I think that's, that's like pretty fun for me, uh, oh, wow. you know, because I get to like think about the subtle differences and also get drunk in the process. Um, <laughs> that's, I had no idea that the, that, that's how rum is kind of um, classified or categorized or, or understood. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's so there's like it's like a whole rabbit hole. Like you can get uh, really deep into that. And I've been getting into mezcal in the same way. And there's just so much mezcal available in the United States now. Which That's is... made from the same plant that tequila is made from. Yes or no? Yeah. So tequila is technically mezcal i think and then tequila is a specific variety of agave and mezcal is is the category of spirits made from 
different types of agave. So like a lot of mezcals labeled like espadine or tobola or something like that. So, so for someone like you who knows something about what a good tequila or a good mezcal is supposed to taste like, do you, would you even, I mean, would you even touch Cuervo? Uh, you know, I think Cuervo is great in a mixed drink, you, you know, it's like, like a tequila sunrise, <laughs> right? It's a great, it's a great tequila sunrise uh, spirit. Um, like a lot of mezcal, I like to just drink, you know, by itself, uh, with a cube of ice in a very dark bar while I shame people about their, masculinity. <laughs> nice. So, nice. Uh, and what about, what about like your rums? Because we have this ad here, the Captain Morgan perfect getaway ad which <laughs> yeah. yeah which surely is this um, is a weird ad they, sp- they, they appear to spend more money on advertising than i would imagine on their product <laughs> yes which is captain morgan a jamaican rum uh maybe i don't even know uh. if they claim a specific <laughs> region i think it's like a blended brand name rum like it's, it's a, and, and it's I a think florida rum it's a pirate rum yeah <laughs> It's the preferred rum of pirates uh, the world yeah. over. Well, like Fighters spiced rum is kind of its own weird category. And there's like, you know, only a handful of players in it. But in the cocktail world, I just very rarely see drinks calling for spiced rum. So I'm not mm-hmm. really sure like what its intended purpose is other than to like help frat boys enjoy their spring break (laughs) (laughs) the perfect getaway ad that we talked about i will play it in the background but i'm pretty sure that it's all just uh sound effects and um explosions and music and such but the plot of the ad is uh basically captain morgan is a pirate and he is freeing some guy out of prison i guess as a fellow pirate and yeah. um, it's a whole action sequence. And I think it's worth really? noting that this thing was um, directed by the uh, like an actual film director, the guy who directed In the Bedroom. His name is Todd oh, wow. Field. And uh, the production design is by a guy named Nathan Crowley, who did Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And, and you can see why. It's, stuff. It's part, it looks it's, great. Yeah, it looks great. This ad is part of a trilogy um, that got a lot of airplay. And it's all about these um, these ongoing adventures that this Captain Morgan character has, uh, I guess, to go find treasure. Uh, but it's super well produced. It looks pirates like pirates got a pirate. Pirates got a pirate. It looks yeah. like you know. It looks like it could be a scene from Pirates of the Caribbean. It's it's like fun and and the guy has a, a map on his tattooed on his back, and that's why they were breaking him out of prison because they're on their way to get the treasure. Right. Well, like the plot of Waterworld. Come to think of it. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you're totally right. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the guy who has the um, uh, map tattooed on his back is actually Kevin Costner. So it makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense. Oh, no, no, oh no, dang. No, no. I didn't even pick that. <laughs> One thing I found really uh, strange about that ad is it's either the Dropkick Murphys or something that's supposed to sound is. exactly oh. like them on the soundtrack. And it's like, man, Ireland and rum i just can't think of two things that sound less alike it's to me it's just like ass kicking music but yeah it's so. either yeah. you're right like it's i think it is it's either the dropkick murphys or they uh the dropkick murphys have a lawsuit on their hands <laughs> <laughs> you're right i mean i guess that the only justification for that is what you just said a moment ago ben which is yes this is for frat boys on spring break yeah. and that's <laughs> potentially something that they might want to listen to I guess. Yeah. Those guys love have jailbreak adventures. <laughs> <laughs> let's um let's talk about just one more here that I want to bring up because I'd love to get your take on this, Ben. Um I'm stalling because I don't know how to say the name of it. Disarono. 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 Now this is a liqueur, right, Genevieve? I think so. I actually have never had it. But the ads <laughs> have always struck me. They are very simple. Um I think it is a liqueur, um and it's uh, the ads are just a kind of a, a bartender 
saying how to make this Di Sereno cocktail. And it's usually something very simple, like Di Sereno on the rocks. You pour Di Sereno over ice. But what, <laughs> kind of what, what I like about it is that it's, you know, it's it's like any other. It's like a, one of a million liqueurs that are out there that you would never think twice about ordering at a bar. But because they've given you this, because they've incepted you a little bit with this uh you know, idea for an order to order at a bar. How many times have you been at a bar? Maybe not you, Ben, but I know I go to a bar sometimes and I think like, you know, I just default to like a vodka tonic or something yeah. because I don't know, the pressure's on, what would be good? Like, that's easy. Yeah. And I like this idea. I think just from a marketing standpoint, this is a smart thing. They also do like DiSerona with a twist. And it's this idea that you can go into a bar and have an idea for something to order and they present it in this very, you know, the production values are like that that smooth, dark, rich texture that makes yeah. you feel like this would be a classy drink to order. Welcome to Di Sirono, as you like it. Today we like Di Sirono on rocks and lemon. Start with ice. Di Sirono, the original. One and a half ounces and it's Di Sirono on the rocks. Lemon, squeeze. There you have it. Di Sirono on the rocks and lemon. I'm back with Dicerono as you like it. Today, we like Dicerono on the rocks and cranberry. Start with ice. Dicerono, the original. One and a half ounces, and it's Dicerono on the rocks. Cranberry, five ounces. That's it. Dicerono on the rocks and cranberry. Have you guys ever seen those uh, Gordon Ramsay cooking videos? I feel like this really reminds me of those where he's just like, uh-uh. right, we're going to make beef wellington, <laughs> mushrooms, cut them up. You know, like roll out your pastry, put the beef on it, rub it with mustard. Lovely. And, <laughs> and it's like none of the like connective words. It's just like saying the like, put a lemon in it. Disarono on the rocks. It's our Disarono on the rocks. There's a whole bunch like now, the, uh, you know, I have it on YouTube and it's just like automatically playing it through a whole bunch of them. And I'm watching him here like yeah. now he's making one with uh, milk. So oh, like go, a white Russian? To go back to Genevieve's point, I, I do think it's kind of actually I think the production of these is a little bit cheesy. It does feel like a, a cooking show I've set. I've seen other bit. ones, though, where it's more. This lush. Is, where it's more lush and uh. the production values are better and it's it, it doesn't feel as um, sort of handmade as the way this one does. But I think it is interesting to actually give recipes. Like these these versions right here are a little bit lowbrow, I'd say. But to give these recipes out, do you think that's a smart strategy, Ben, as somebody who actually uh, knows something about mixed drinks? Yeah, I mean, like if you can find something as simple as the Serrano and ginger ale or whatever the whatever the thing is that you pick mm-hmm. that's like not um you know it's like it's not going to be a curveball to any bartender cuz you you know <laughs> right. if you're like traveling for work or whatever and you walk into a uh hotel bar and order some you know like a the last word cocktail or something you know the chances are you're going to get looked at with a side eye, yeah. and uh, they're going to look at you like that Christmas tree was looking at Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and, what are uh, your What are your rules for that? By the way, like you're somebody who really knows your drinks, and I'm sure there are some bars that you can go into, like a speakeasy type of bar, and and they love to make you interesting drinks. But then, do you just like dial it way back if you're in any kind of a mainstream bar, so that you don't come off as being a snob or a pain in the ass? Yeah, I really like would basically never want to come off as an asshole. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, if I can, if I can avoid it, um, you know, walking into a dive bar, you have to like calibrate your expectations if you're going to try and get a cocktail there, right. but, you know, versus a place that charges fourteen dollars a drink and has like a really extensive 
you know, signature cocktail menu or whatever. So, when in doubt, just Ray Liotta it. Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, right, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. What, have we already forgotten our lessons? <laughs> I was in this um, this little bar that kind of considers itself a bit of a speakeasy in our neighborhood, and I really like it, and the people there are really, really sweet. And the bartenders do know their craft cocktails. They really do. Um, and I was I now know the story a little bit better because I went back and talked to the bartender about it later, but I was one time there by myself. Uh, my laundromat is across the street from it, so I was just over there doing some work, sipping on a beer while my laundry dried. And um, this guy walked in. It was pretty clear he was famous. And I didn't recognize him at the time, but it turns out he was somebody who was on Mad Men. He was kind of a kind of a main person on Mad Men. His name was John oh. Hamm or something. No, no, <laughs> it wasn't John Hamm. It was one of the other players. I didn't recognize him because his um, facial hair oh was different. God, it was, was the guy who... It was Beardy. He was the guy with the beard, the best friend of... Um, oh, Peggy. Of I remember Peggy. that guy with the beard. Yeah, anyway, I didn't recognize him because he didn't have the beard in real life. But anyway... Um, I didn't know who he was, but he kind of—he was clearly kind of a man of note, and he was in there with a little bit of a posse. And this is a bar that knows how to make their drinks, but then he was kind of like, well, can you make me a, like, whatever, cat whisperer or whatever the hell drink he ordered? And, and she didn't know what he was talking about. So then he does that thing where he explains it to her, he kind of, in that really kind of manly, well, you do this, and then you do this, and you do this. And then I was talking to her about it later, the bartender, and she's, I came back like a week later or something, he asked her about the uh, interaction. Apparently, when she did serve him the drink, he was like, he didn't like it. He was displeased with the drink. And I was just like, oh, I, didn't, I didn't like oh, his maybe body he didn't language. Oh, explain it to her correctly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that type of behavior, I just think is the worst somebody trying yeah. to both like show off their knowledge a little bit and also kind of just like put everybody else in their place because they don't know their their way around a drink menu or whatever i oh. always love it when we name and shame like b b list uh hollywood actors <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> although since we can't think of his name i guess we're just shaming yeah, right we're just shaming yeah. uh a nameless guy who happened to be in a popular show that's no longer on the air all right uh how about we check in with the ad council Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words they're saying Only the echoes of my mind You guys are the ad council, the listeners. You send us letters at afterthesemessagesshow at gmail.com. You leave stuff on our Facebook page, After These Messages Show, on Facebook. Dot com. And we also have a voicemail line. I'll give out the number right now. It's 607 444 5597. And we actually have a couple of voicemails today, right, Vives? That's right. We have two that I'm really excited to play. Uh, the first one is from listener Leslie. Uh, she has. Uh, yet another alternate theory about the Hallmark Vegan Christmas, which is the ad <laughs> that launched a thousand ideas and, <laughs> theories. Uh, and theories and conspiracy theories about what is going on. So, Ben, uh, just to bring you up to speed. In a, yes, in I our, feel very lost. In our Christmas episode, <laughs> uh, we played an ad for Hallmark uh, in which a family is has gone vegan. They're having their vegan Christmas. And the father, so the grandfather, the father of the, the mother in the family is befuddled and he keeps asking for ham and they keep explaining we don't have ham we just have kale smoothies and whatever <laughs> at the very end his daughter uh the, the grown mother uh gives him a little pig ornament from hallmark and he says i wish i could eat it and she says me too and this me too has invited all of these letters and and input from our listeners because it's really ambiguous like is she saying <laughs> I wish I could eat ham, but my husband is a vegan Nazi. I wish you could eat ham so you could be happy. 
I wish you would yeah. stuff this pig ornament down your throat, old man. <laughs> that is what one listener yes. suggested last week, that he thinks, because Vives and I were marveling at the characters of this ad, because nobody is really the bad guy. Like, there's some tension going on, but, yeah. you know, the somewhat... I mean, I guess somewhat annoying granola e family aren't totally detestable. They're just like, this is a change we've made in our life. Yeah. We're going to eat more healthy. The old man, sure, he's a little grumpy because he wants some ham. Dude, I've been grumpy because I want ham. Like, he doesn't come <laughs> off as the enemy of this ad. And it's actually kind of it's kind of warm, but I think we're so used to more of a kind of, um, I don't know if bifurcated is the right word or um, just sort of black a, and white yeah, sort of for tension. Yeah, for there to be some amount of conflict. And it's not clear... Uh, exactly where the conflict is, and yet it, it is a very charming ad. Okay. Um, so this is so this is Leslie's theory. About yeah. It. So we're gonna play your theory, but just so you are in the in the know here, Ben, and if we have any new yeah. listeners, I, I feel like we're just gonna have to dedicate a segment of our show every single week now, <laughs> where we describe this ad in yeah. a lot of detail and then play the end of it. So okay, here's here's the end of this ad. The grandfather gets up. He looks in the fridge. There's no ham in the fridge. No ham. No ham. But I got you this. <laughs> I wish I could eat it. <laughs> Me too. And so it's that we don't see her say that Me too. That's just a voice over, uh, over text. <laughs> and there's a weird kind of clip to her voice. And that's why uh, <laughs> the guy last week who called in said that he thinks that she's saying, yeah, I wish you would eat it and choke on it, old man. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, Leslie has a different theory. Hey guys, this is Leslie. I'm calling from Port Townsend. Um, I have a theory on the Hallmark commercial in case you want to continue discussing this commercial. <laughs> My theory is that there is a health issue with the father and he shouldn't be eating ham and that this vegan dinner, <laughs> so crazy, that this vegan dinner was sort of established to just provide him with no temptation. That was my interpretation of the sort of smiley me too at the end. So in case you want to continue offering, um, delving deeper into this universe of the Hallmark commercial, I just wanted to provide my own um, interpretation. Thanks. <laughs> Love the show. Bye. See, here's what, I mean, I think she raised a good point, but here's my theory. I believe that this old man just retired about two and a half months ago from a job that he only had for the last 10 years, and there are some issues yes. with his 401k. No, exactly. I, I, love, I love the, like, amount of backstory that you have to, yeah. you know, create. I mean, it's like that scene from Party Down where, where Jane Lynch's character is a prostitute, but she oh, yeah. described herself as a young, struggling artist, right. and her only line is, Looking's free, touching will cost you. <laughs> yeah. But she's but she's come up with like this whole backstory to like fill in her own image of what is happening to this character. <laughs> right, right, right. Looking's free, touching will cost you. You played a hooker on Beretta. I played an inspiring musician. Who says touching will cost you? Sounds like a hooker. <laughs> she was a young musician who was turning tricks to pay her bills because her abusive boyfriend had taken her life savings. I thought you said it was just one line. You see, that's the challenge, <laughs> to create this complex character with a single line. What was your character's name? Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to be 100% clear, we are, all, we are all on the same page here in saying that this old man is a hooker, right? <laughs> yes, yes, okay, yeah. that's absolutely. The, that's the working theory right now. So, yes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, listen, I, this is my solemn pledge to the Ad Council. 
I will talk about this ad every week. <laughs> if, you keep sending me, if you keep sending us theories, we will keep talking about <laughs> That's it. That's right. It's a challenge. Uh, we oh, also man. got a voice mail from listener Morgan, right? Vives, what's this one all about? Um, Morgan writes to us about uh, his idea for... Uh, on what is happening or what was happening with the KFC switcheroo from uh, Daryl Hammond to uh, Norm MacDonald and what he thought was going to be happening when he first noticed the switch. Yeah. Are you familiar with these ads, Ben? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So Daryl Hammond first was playing uh, Colonel Sanders in a very weird way. And then, boom, one day he was replaced by Norm MacDonald. Playing it in an even weirder way. (laughs) Hey, Genevieve and Andrew. It's uh, listener Morgan up here in Seattle. Um, I just finished listening to your latest episode uh, where you guys were talking about the recent Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, actor switchover. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys – well, I guess, Andrew, I guess you didn't hear the, uh, or see that, that, that commercial until the episode. But I don't know if you had this experience where first time I saw that episode where Norm MacDonald takes over for Daryl Hammond, I just immediately saw it, especially because Norm MacDonald doesn't look quite so much like uh, – like Colonel Sanders, I just immediately thought that this was going to be like a riff, like that they were going to have like five actors do it, and then at the end they were all going to be in a room together, like some weird Doctor Who episode or something. <laughs> and I, I just immediately was like, oh, that'll be funny. Like, I, you know, I'm looking forward to that. But I guess it, it really does now have the feeling of like, oh, we need to fire somebody but be cool about it. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to, to see what you guys thought about that. Anyway, uh, I'm really enjoying the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, take care. Don't I've, I have not seen Doctor Who, but don't they call him like Doctor Number One and Doctor Number Two? There's or been something? a lot of doctors. That's my now we've now we have reached the end of my Doctor Who knowledge. <laughs> there's been a lot of doctors, <laughs> and there's something called a TARDIS. Uh, what, what do you what do you know about it, Ben? Anything? Uh, not a thing. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a real dyed in the wool nerd, and and Doctor Who is a major. Uh, blind spot for me. Yeah, that for and me whiskey. too. It feels like a huge amount of work to me to go get smart on Doctor Who. Totally. Um, but I, I love that theory that Morgan has. I, I think it's if if not what they are planning to do, it wouldn't be the worst idea. Uh, so take a note, KFC. And it would just you could bring back all of these SNL actors who haven't worked in years. I guess Rob Schneider could be the next one. You could keep on getting further and further away from that what Colonel Sanders great, looks actually. like too. That would be pretty funny. Yeah. Um, your homework assignment, by the way, Ben, uh, and before the next time we have you on, you have to spend a week doing nothing but drinking bourbon, learning about it, and um, watching Doctor <laughs> watching Who. Watching Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Can I, you, you handle know. that? <laughs> I guess I have to. You have a hard assignment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Any emails we should get to, Vives, before we get out of here? Yeah, just one. Um, uh, we got a, an email from listener Gabby in Paris. Ooh la la. What? Really? No. Uh-huh. Paris, Ohio, or Paris, France? I believe it's Paris, France. Um, and she writes that uh, I was watching the Foster Farms FBS Bowl game when a commercial for the sponsor, Foster Farms, came on. And I, um, do you want to play the ad for us, and then I'll get into Gabby's question? Okay, yeah. So this is an ad where you have two chickens walking into an herbalist's shop, and these chickens are kind of like I don't know what you say, claymation vives, or they're puppets or something, something like that. Talking to uh, you know a, a real human actor who's playing the herbalist, and um, they're basically looking to improve themselves. Now that there's Foster Farm simply raised, it's tougher than ever to be a Foster Farms chicken. The Foster Farms Simply Raised Chicken is 100% natural with no antibiotics. Well, you're an herbalist. Help us to be natural. Will those herbs do it? Those? 
One grows hair, the other increases energy. And uh, the other chicken, by the way, is downing those like crazy. <gasps> Do I look natural, Herb Man? Can I call you Herb Man? I'm trying to look natural. Call me natural. You look like Steve. Can I call you Steve? Hi, Steve. I'm natural. Say something. Why aren't you guys saying anything? Introducing new simply so raised chicken. The chicken that no ate those herbs, uh, his uh, feathers slash hair is growing uh, exponentially, and he's talking a mile a minute because that's what those herbs do. Uh, so Gabby had some questions. Uh, why do the chickens want to be the best foster farm chickens? Do they know what they're in for? Why can't I stop laughing? And she said that it, <laughs> it reminded her of the segment that we did about the animals eating their own kind, yeah. uh, like that shrimp uh, shrimp ad for Dairy Queen. I agree, and I, can't, I just can't say it enough. I think it's such a bizarre marketing approach or marketing trope to have the animal that's going to be killed and eaten competing to be <laughs> killed and eaten. Yeah. Like, it's so macabre. And I eat meat, but, like, I just find it so weird. Like, yeah. it's such a disconnect. Did you guys ever read The Restaurant at the End of the Universe by Douglas Adams? No. No. It's, a, it's in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. And, Your nerd um, cred is restored, by the way. <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene where they're going to get, like, a... They're going to eat some beef, and the cow comes up to the table and, like, tells them about what what cuts are good tonight because it's been bred to want to be consumed. Oh, oh, God. God. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it's, you know, he, he wrote that as a as a joke and, like, the obvious, uh, you know, sort of grotesqueness of that situation, but it's not that far off from the from these these real commercial narratives that they want us to be charmed by or, or sold by. And I am totally. charmed by these chickens. That's what bothers me. Farms? No, I mean, I watch these chickens and I'm like, oh, I like these little characters, like little Jim Henson puppets and like, or Muppets, and I don't want them to die. And I certainly don't want them to die for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really developed a relationship with them in the past 30 seconds I'll buy seconds a different so. brand so that these guys aren't killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. These are kind of the anti-Chick-fil-A commercials, aren't they? Yeah, well, that's where at least it's interspecies conflict. Right, because Chick-fil-A <laughs> also trying to sell chicken, but by doing so, having a bunch of cows looking like, you know, they're trying to set a trap for chickens or trying to entice us to eat more chickens, as the catchphrase right. goes, whereas these are chickens trying to get us to eat more chickens. They should team up with those cows. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, they could. They'd be such traitors, these Benedict Arnold <laughs> chickens. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get out of here. You can sell anything. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been After These Messages. We do this every single Tuesday. In the meantime, though, you can check out all of the um, commercials that we talked about in this episode. Genevieve, you always post those to our Facebook page. That's right. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. As Andrew mentioned, we are at After These Messages Show on Facebook. Our email is After These Messages Show at Gmail. And our voicemail, and we love to have voicemails, is 607 444 5597. And Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been tons of fun. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a, it was a real blast. And so it. everybody should check out your podcast. It's Let's yes, Drink About It. Your full name, Ben Harrison. And what's your co-host's name again? Chris Bowman. But um, you, behind yeah. his back, you always kind of claim it as really your thing, and he's just kind of a <laughs> hanger-on, right? Yeah, I mean, I could really do it without him. Yeah. <laughs> most, most weeks, it's... Uh, not would, like he's then it would just be called Let's Just Drink Alone. Let's Drink Alone. Let's Drink Alone at a bar while scowling at people. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, Ben. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, the rest of you guys, we will talk to you next Tuesday. You can't
can't sell.